This is the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast, where I am talking all things style, pop culture, and wellness. Thank you for joining me again during this very tumultuous time. Sure, we're in the middle of a race war. Sure, Black Lives Matter is finally getting momentum after years of screaming into the abyss that we need help. And sure, there's a global pandemic going on. But you know what? We're still here. We're still thriving and surviving. So, as per usual, I'm going to kick off this episode with a fashion tip. And this week's fashion tip is to buy black. I know we say that all the time, but I feel like a part of my role in this whole thing is to use my knowledge to educate others. So when I say buy black, I want you guys to know that there is more to black fashion than off-white, especially because a lot of people are just now waking up to the fact that Virgil Abloh is flaw as hell. I've known that for a minute and have been telling my friends for a minute that something's not right about that guy. So in case you don't know, Virgil is the head of menswear for um, Louis Vuitton. He also has the label Off-White, which I'm sure you guys have seen everywhere. Um, there's a lot of zip ties and a lot of just writing off white on things. Not really my vibe, but you know, do you? Um, (laughs) and one of my issues with Virgil is that he has stolen designs from, um, unknown black creators, which we have enough of that from mainstream fashion that we don't need to be doing it to each other. He, you know, has not credited these young black designers or creators who he's stolen from. Um, the other thing is that he didn't really have a whole lot of black staff, which was revealed at, uh, I'm trying to remember what picture he posted from some party or something. And it was like, where are all the black people? And a huge part of why we want more black creative directors, more black designers is because we want our stuff to stop being appropriated by other people. And we also want to be empowered at fashion houses to actually make decisions so that you don't end up making a blackface sweater looking at you Gucci and yeah he have no black people <laughs> so then most recently he was one of the many celebrities who was critical of the protesters and the looters who you know obviously are out here in response not only to the death of George, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the countless other names of people who, once again, we've been screaming into the abyss. Um, he was really critical of the looters because they robbed like one of his friend's stores. And it was just, it was ridiculous. So I said all that to say there's more to black fashion than just Virgil Abloh, than just Yeezys, than just Jays. And it's no shade to anybody who purchases those things, but I want us to expand our knowledge base. A huge part of why you don't know about a lot of black designers is because they're doing things independently. With the exception of Rihanna and her Fenty Fashion House, which is under the LVMH kind of like conglomerate, there aren't really a lot of black designers who have the the financial backing that heritage houses like Gucci or Louis Vuitton, or Hermes, or Prada, they have a huge financial backing because they've been around for hundreds of years. They have a huge head start, like most white people the world over. And the other thing that you have to note about them is that they're European. 
we still kind of define luxury by European standards, which I think is a problem. You know, we don't really have a main Black-owned leather goods designer who we're all going to, like, wear this person. You know, everybody, if you get a check, you want to go get a Chanel, you want to go get a Louis Vuitton, you want to go get whatever your vibe is. We don't really know enough about Black designers who can create just as good, just as high quality, just as innovative things because they just don't have the financial backing for like a huge advertising budget and they're doing things independently much in the same vein as how we support independent music artists we also have to support independent designers and especially black ones and especially non-black people of color but right now we focusing on black people because hello so in doing so i want you guys to know that there is a place that you can go to find some of those black designers so shout out to my homegirl dion from back home in atlanta she has an amazing instagram page called retail noir where she just devotes her that entire page to celebrating and highlighting black fashion designers it's not just clothes it's also accessories and leather goods it's really dope so just expand your knowledge You know, I do hope in my spirit that the end is nigh for the pandemic. So we will, you know, start to need clothes to wear outside of our apartments again. Some of y'all have completely abandoned quarantine and social distancing and have been out here anyway and have started, you know, buying clothes, kind of trying to help the retail industry get on its feet because it has been suffering. So I want us to participate in buying black. So again, check out Retail Noir for some advice and some guidance on where to purchase. I will be linking to that page in the episode description. I also was really excited to find that one of my favorite, favorite fashion designers, Carly Kushney, did a capsule collection for Target. I think Target is notorious for having really amazing high-end designer collaborations to the extent that people will end up like reselling the stuff for super, super high markups on like eBay or whatever. Her collection with Target is so dope. I've been such a huge fan of um, of the label Kushney for so long, but It's, you know, quite honestly, just not in my budget right now, but I believe God got me. And at some point, my money is going to catch up to my taste. But in the interim, Carly's collection with Target is a really great um, intro price point. It starts between like $50 and $60. She has extended sizes. The colors are beautiful. I'm expecting three pieces today and one piece tomorrow in the mail. I'm very excited about it. I will link to that in the episode description as well. So that's it for the fashion tip. Expand your knowledge. Let's develop some confidence in our own creatives to define luxury on our own terms. I wrote a piece for Essence a while ago about the age of quote unquote urban hip hop fashion designers. And there was once a time where we were really defining luxury on our own terms. One of the pioneers of that moment was Diddy with Sean John. I completely underestimated, or I don't think I understood the totality of what it meant for him to have had that line where he was using, it wasn't just jeans and t-shirts. He had suits, he had, you know, he had luxury fabrics. He was really trying to redefine the way 
we look at luxury and he had his own freestanding store on Fifth Avenue. That's a really huge deal. You know, why urban, quote unquote urban, I feel weird about that label, but whatever. Um, Labels didn't last. That's a conversation for another day because I could really go on a rant about that for a while, but I'm trying to keep this episode kind of short. So I will talk to y'all about that at a later time. But again, my desire is for us to redefine the way we look at luxury. We can't just always look to European designers and European fashion houses to tell us what's the best and latest. We have a lot of talent within our own community. We just need to find it and amplify it. So check out the links in the episode description and get on it. Let's support our own. And I'll be right back with the next segment. All right, guys, welcome back. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about a couple of things that I have been struggling with that I'm going to assume some of you have been struggling with, and we're going to get through this together. So when protesting and petitioning and calling companies and colleagues and coworkers to task over the very pervasive culture of racism in our country first restarted, I don't even want to say restarted, reached a fever pitch because I think we've been doing this for a really, really long time in this country of just basically begging to be seen as human and to be left the fuck alone. I, in the past couple of weeks, felt really overwhelmed and also really helpless and also hopeless because I just felt like we've been in this country since 1619. And we're still fighting against so many of the same things. If you took a snapshot of today compared to like, I don't know, a random year, 1930, you know, it wouldn't be super, super different by and large. And I was just feeling like I I, I quit. Like, I don't I don't know what more we need to do. You know, we've been being murdered and dying for a really long time and no one seems to give a shit. So like, I just felt like I quit. Something gave me hope. I came across um, on one of my homeboys Instagram pages, a really cool graphic that was called um, mapping our roles in, let me see, what's the the technical actual term of it because I was about to guess and that wasn't going to be productive mapping our roles in a social change ecosystem so this graphic was created by a woman named Deepa Iyer who uh, works for an organization called Solidarity Is for a building movement project I found this graphic so helpful because it breaks down the different kinds of roles that people play in social movements in a productive way so that everyone doesn't feel like they need to do everything and be everything to everybody. Whoever you are, whatever your unique gifts and talents are, you have a role to play in this movement. And if you can find out what your role is and commit to that, I feel like you'll be less likely to, number one, be so critical of what other people are doing. And number two, it helps you to not feel so helpless and so hopeless and just, you know, to feel like you're contributing something positive. 
I was really disheartened to see some of the criticisms of the looters slash protesters by people who really weren't doing anything on their part. I had to have some really intense conversations with some of my friends back in Atlanta who, you know, obviously were upset that black businesses were being destroyed. And I think ideally, no, we don't want to see black businesses where it's already hard enough to get a small business loan to get insurance and things like that destroyed, especially during a pandemic where those businesses have been struggling anyway. And I think there's an oversimplification of, oh, well, y'all got insurance and that's secondary to everything else that's going on. You know, points are made on both parts. But I also feel like if you aren't out there protesting, if you aren't out there looting, if you aren't actually doing something to contribute to the movement, you really don't get to criticize the people who are. And with that being said, you know, I tell some of my friends because they were like, well, those people, you know, I bet most of them aren't even registered to vote. And I said, okay, well, have you hosted a voter registration drive? You have a lot of contacts. You know, a lot of people. Have you gone and spoken to any of these young people to explain to them the significance of filling out a census or making sure that they're registered to vote and participating in local elections. Have you had those conversations with anyone in addition to or as opposed to your criticisms of the people who are just doing what they feel like they need to do to create change? And it was like, oh, well, no, I haven't. Then you don't get to say anything. So with that being said, I'm going to link to this graphic in the episode description because I find it like I said, incredibly helpful and also comforting because I think especially as black women, we feel a huge amount of pressure to act and to move and to nurture and to support. And we end up trying to be all things to all people and you end up being a master of none and just being overwhelmed and overworked. So just a few examples. Um, one of the roles that you can play like within the framework of um, a social movement, there are storytellers. This is what I classify myself as. They craft and share our community stories, cultures, experiences, histories, and possibilities through art, music, media, and movement. I find that incredibly comforting. That I can do. That I know how to do. I have a voice. I know how to use it. I've been talking too much since I was little. So I can commit to that. You know, one of the other roles, um, they have weavers. I see the through... I'm reading off of the graphic, obviously. Weavers. I see the through lines of connectivity between people, places, organizations, ideas, and movements. Then there are frontline responders. I address community crises by marshalling and organizing resources, networks, and messages. So like I said, I'm going to link to this. There's also a really good worksheet that comes along with this graphic that helps you to, what's the word I'm looking for? Not only ideate, but brainstorm, I guess, um, flesh out. That's what I'm trying to say. Flesh out <laughs> more of, you know, once you identify what your specific role is, 
it helps you to map out, okay, what can I do within that framework? And I find that incredibly helpful and, like I said, productive. So check that out at the link in the description. Um, also, read up on Deepa Iyer. I think that she's really cool so far. Um, these days, I'm very weary of giving anybody too much credit because the quote-unquote this you on Twitter is like, damn, everybody's messed up. And I think we always knew that nobody was perfect, but some of the things that are being revealed about people and that people are revealing about themselves, I'm looking at you, Terry Crews, are just like, damn, I really wish you hadn't said anything. Um, but Deepa Iris seems to really be on, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, apologies if I'm not, uh, I was looking for the correct pronunciation, but I couldn't find it. So um, I think that she's really dope and she's doing a lot to kind of, I think, build solidarity within the community of people of color. I don't really like to call myself a person of color because I think that being black is extremely different from being any other um, you know, racial identity. I think that the things we face are very different from things that other people face. But I do think that there is space for us to have some semblance of solidarity because at some point, people of color as a whole, we're going to outnumber white people. So it would be great if we could have some solidarity amongst ourselves. The next thing I want to talk about is black businesses. Um, I may or may not have mentioned this to you guys before because I've been doing this podcast for a few years. It's a little bit hard to remember every single thing that I've said, but I have an issue with the fact that we we don't know how to be productively critical of black businesses. And there's also this really weird belief that black people are the only people who criticize their own. I think people who think that have never been around anybody except for black people because Everyone in the world, have you looked at a Yelp page? Nobody reviews a, a white business more than a white woman, and they give them the fucking business. So, and I mean the business in the negative terms, like, that's why the whole notion of a Karen came about, because a white woman will ask to speak to a manager no matter who the hell owns the store. What I would like for us to do Yes, we need to support black businesses more. And yes, we need to hold black businesses to the same standard that we hold any other business. But if you have a criticism of a black business, let them know what it is. Let them know what they can do to be better. One of my very close friends, um, his family owns a number of businesses in Atlanta. And he was like, you know, my only issue when people have criticisms of our restaurants or whatever is that they never tell us what we can do better. It's just an overarching, oh, you know, I don't fool with black, da 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 let people know what they can do to be better and to improve. I don't think that we're doing anybody, any help, any services by lowering our standard just because they're black. And I don't think we're doing them any services by having impossible standards for them because they're black. Have the same standard of an expectation of customer service for your local black restaurant as you have for like, I don't know, Target. And keep in mind that Target has a whole lot more money than the Jamaican restaurant across the street, you know, um, to do, you know, customer service training and stuff like that. I think we have to work together to build stronger black businesses and stop 
taking on this internalized racism, this internalized belief that we're the only ones who criticize each other, that, you know, all these other communities, they just support each other no matter what. That's absolutely not true. Have you ever had a conversation with a person from another racial or race or nationality group like I had one of my really close friends is South Asian and I was telling her like you know there's a very deep belief that you know y'all support each other's businesses no matter what and she was like if anything I think we're way more critical of each other than I think black people are like y'all have much more of a sense of community especially when you look at the women there is a sisterhood between black women that I really don't see in any other identity of women, especially white women. Don't nobody hate white women more than white women. That's why Hillary didn't get elected, but that's a conversation for another day. The other thing that I want to talk about is I really don't want to call any names, but I want us to think more critically when we call someone a marketing genius or we say like, oh, that person is just like, they're so smart about, you know, because they're making so much money. Just because a person is making a lot of money, it doesn't mean that they're a good person. It doesn't mean that they have good business practices. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are a very skilled business person. Sometimes people have found a very gullible customer base and they are exploiting that customer base. And sometimes those people are influencers and sometimes those influencers are black women. And sometimes those black female influencers exploit some of the things that they know other black women really desire. And they use these buzzwords to perform that exploitation. So before you decide to say that a person is a marketing genius or that they're doing so great, consider the source and consider what they may be doing in order to make X amount of money. And also consider the way that they talk about their customer base. There is this ongoing conversation about how and it happens all the time. It's not just one person who brings this up. All the time on Black Twitter, there seems to be a conversation about like entrepreneurs versus people who have a nine to five. I don't know why people think that entrepreneurs automatically have this freedom of life. If you are the boss, that means that you are never off the clock. That means that you are employing other people. And let's say you're a small business owner and something happens to one of your employees' families and they need to take like short-term family leave, like FMLA or whatever. That then becomes your responsibility. Whatever their role was or is then becomes your responsibility. You are always on the clock. And to some people, that's the life that they want. But understand that entrepreneurship does not automatically mean, oh, I get to set my own schedule. I get to... No, if anything, you are more tied to your business than a person who has a nine to five. And I also want for people to understand that just because you have a nine to five does not mean that you clock in and you clock out, especially as a salaried employee. I There are a lot of people who make a really good living working a job that's not in entertainment, that's not in media, that's not in sports. There are so many other ways in this world to make money other than being an entrepreneur. That is not for everybody and it does not, it's not some moral failure 
if you don't want to start your own business. I get so fed up with people constantly get an LLC, get it. Honey, an LLC is a hundred dollars at most. What the hell do you think you're going to do with this LLC that's going to lead you to like financial liberation for the entire black race? That is not a thing. There are a lot of moving parts <laughs> that need to come into play in order for us to excel. And another thing that I want people to stop doing is blaming black people for racism. That's internalized racism. That is what that is. When you say the reason why these people don't respect us is because the reason they don't respect us is because they don't want to. We never did anything to earn that hatred. That's on them. That's not on us. And the fact that you don't own a business and the fact that you work for a white CEO does not mean that you are contributing to the race issue in America. That's bullshit. The race issue in America is because of white people and systems that they have put in place to oppress us. Stop blaming your own people for their own oppression. That's bullshit. Read a fucking book. And besides that, I also just want to say to people who are entrepreneurs, be careful about how you're talking about people who don't have what you have. If you're an incredibly successful person, that's great. I hope that God continues to bless you. But when you get to a point where you start criticizing people who aren't business owners, number one, you're criticizing potential employees. Because if you're actually a boss, we want to glamorize like being a boss, being a business owner, I own my own, blah, 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 I write my own checks. Then that means that you also employ people. So that means that when you get out here and you talk about, oh, it can be me, it can be me, I'm not da-da-da-da, you're also not only talking about your customer base, the people who make you the money, but you're also talking about potential employees. And you know where that leads you? That leads you to being one of these CEOs who's getting called out right now because they created hostile work environments for their employees. That tells me that you want to be the same kind of messed up boss as the messed up bosses that are being called to task right now for creating hostile work environments. That tells me that you aren't actually for the liberation of your people, just that you want to be the bitch in charge. You want to be the one who's mistreating people. And I don't rock with that. Um, yeah, I yeah, I, I just, I don't believe in that. I want us to do better. I want us to think more critically about the way we conduct ourselves, not only as consumers, not only as employees, but as employers. Be careful how you talk about people. We all out here doing the best that we can. And a lot of times, it feel, especially these days, it feels like, you try to go up for your own people. You try to show support, whatever, whatever. And then they basically give you their ass to kiss. Like, I don't rock with that. We can pull up if that's the case. You know, um, one of the examples is, is Terry Crews. I'm so disappointed and disheartened by his behavior. And best case scenario, somebody got something on him that, and they are just like forcing him to completely abandon what I thought his beliefs were. I don't know if you guys watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but Terry Crews like co-wrote and produced an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine about police brutality and then came out with this whole speech about black supremacy. What the shit? We got to read more. <laughs> like we have to educate ourselves more. It's okay to say, I don't know about a topic if you don't know and just go and educate yourself before you just make a statement that makes 
no complete assets to anybody. Um, I created or I partnered with some of my friends to create a reading list for allies and black people alike who just want to be more informed, not only about the role that they can play in the movement, but just about the history of like how we ended up here to begin with. That is included in my weekly wellness newsletter. Make sure that you are subscribed because I will be providing resources for us to build our knowledge base and just make sure that we're contributing positively. And even if you don't have the energy or whatever to contribute outwardly, just to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. So make sure that you're subscribed. It's free. It's, you know, I'm the only one who paying for shit. (laughs) So I will put a link to that in the episode description. And again, I just want to encourage you guys to take care of yourselves during this very tumultuous time. Um, Of course, like I said, it's not new that we've been fighting this fight, but it does feel different because so many of us don't have many of the distractions that we used to have. And you're just being bombarded with images and news and whatever. It's okay if you need to unplug. It's okay if you don't want to discuss the struggle of race, and you need a break, it's okay to not be okay. So take care of yourselves by whatever means you do that, as long as you ain't hurting nobody else. And that's it, guys. Um, I hope this was helpful. And I will talk to you guys soon. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, review, cash out me some money, because I could always use it. And I love you all in a completely healthy and consensual way. Bye.